Okay, um, I just, before we start, I need y'all uh, to know something. There me. is available, well, actually, it's unavailable right now, but sometime in the realm of possibility, there is a 45-inch Mareep Pokemon plushie for $500 available. <laughs> I, Can uh, you put it on layaway? <laughs> <laughs> you all got that after pay? <laughs> Oh my god, it's so huge. People are posting pictures with it. Oh my oh god. god. That's beautiful. I don't even know if I want it, but they do have a but you do how want big it. is it? Oh my god, of course I want it. There is a <laughs> <laughs> there is a thirty-four inch Lapras plush that is uh-huh. only two hundred fifty dollars. Uh-huh. Let me see if anyone's posted pictures with this one. How is I the don't... Lapras that is significantly larger than um the other one cheaper than the other What was one. the other one again? Say it again. The other one was like 45 inches. This is, no, I think, like 34. Which Pokemon was it? Or was it the same Pokemon? Oh, Mareep. Oh, Mareep. It's yeah, a sheep the, the Pokemon. The sheep one. Yeah, the electric, oh, the she- electric yeah, sheep. Yeah, I played Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Emmeline. I'm Tessa. And I'm Victoria. And welcome to Shitface Facts, the podcast where three college best friends with a love for research and alcohol get together each week to teach you something new. Clink, clink. <laughs> what do they say in France? Santé? Santé? Something. Um, um, bada bada, I took Japanese. Bada bing, bada boom. That's Japanese saying. Whatever we time instead of cheers, we just say bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. All right, I'm um, drinking. If you if you were wondering what I am drinking is, um, please Tessa, bend my ear. I. <laughs> I will bend it. I am drinking a rosé, um, and I. Oh only, my god, twins! Oh my god! I only bought it because it's called Seven Moons, and you know, your bitch loves the moon. Fuck yeah! And there's yeah, that's some witchy seven shit. Seven of them. There's seven of them, and I Damn. love our favorite. Our favorite cancer. She's my grandma. I love her. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm drinking, and it's pretty tasty. So I'll pro- and it's fairly cheap. So might might buy it again in the future. Hell yeah! Nice. I am also drinking rosé. Um, it was left here by a friend, um, nice. and it's been here for about two weeks. <laughs> and uh, we don't know what the fuck to do with it, so I'm drinking it. <laughs> nice. Not- I love that it- so much. Just the it's- oh, they left it here. Should I test? Or do I mean if they don't ask about it? It's mine. It's it. mine now. It's in my house. It's not. It's not a very good cooking wine, so I think there's not any. Yeah. There's not much else you could do with it. Yeah, it's really drink not, it, baby. Just get a little drunk. Thank you. Thank um. You. So while y'all are twins, I am the weird uh, cousin that no one talks to. <laughs> um, I'm back with the Portuguese green wine. Oh hell yeah! I kind of yeah. want to try that though. <laughs> Green wine sounds Me t- so intriguing. I do. What's it Me called too. again? Um, uh, something <laughs> in Portuguese. Yeah, let me eh. Google it. 
Trader Joe's. What's from Trader? Ahaza. Vinho Verde. Vinho Verde. Yeah, that green literally just wine. means green wine. But the brand is called. I found it. Found the bottle. It's called Casal Garcia. So C A S A L space Garcia. Well, um, well yeah, I found wine. Every time um, we visit my sister, my mom goes to Trader Joe's and buys like eight bottles of these because she loves Hell it yeah. so much. Oh. Nice. Okay, listen. <laughs> Y'all, there's a Trader Joe's literally right down the street from me. And uh, they have a lot of like really good gluten-free stuff. So I wanted to start shopping there. Um, but I went there and at any given time during the day, there's a line stretched all the way around the block to get in. Yeah, the mm. lines are terrible. <sighs> yeah, that's how yeah, Raising Canes rough. is here. <laughs> the drive oh <laughs> Oof. Oof. You know what I don't have is a Trader Joe's. I've been to exactly no. one Trader Joe's on a trip to Austin, Texas, and it was awesome. And Time I to go don't back. Uh, yes. Okay, I do have to say though, I have learned I have learned fairly recently that they're very like anti-union and they've like actively what? forbidden. Yeah, no, they've actively no. like forbidden and prevented their uh, employees from unionizing. So I can't. Oh. On principle, I I, I can't go. For me, line, like I can't go for like, me. The line may deter you, but also, um, <laughs> but also, yeah, no, I this can't This is a do pro that. union podcast. I was fucking conceived while my dad was on strike, baby. I can't no. go there. Tessa, <laughs> how did I never know this about you? Oh my god, you just became so much cooler. Oh my <laughs> god, I think my parents are a whole lot cooler than I am to be. <laughs> My dad's the fucking best, dude. <laughs> did y'all know that Amazon's training videos, like, specifically um, say that it is part of your job description to discourage people from unionizing? <gasps> fucking bootlickers. No, you can't fucking bootlickers. pay. There's no way you can say, we'll pay you, but only if you discourage others from unionizing. No. I don't know. That's some Toys R Us shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, there was something else I was going to say about my dad, but I d- Oh, because my parents started listening to this. I no. gotta get oh, that out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking cool, though, Tessa. I know. It's pretty neat. But I don't remember I when my mom told me that. But as soon as she did, I was like, oh, <laughs> yay. Oh. Yeah, my, my parents you. met at a business fair. That's not cool. That's um, What are you cool. talking about? Your mom told your dad that she was pregnant through a fax. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> that is true. That That's did a happen. bad bitch move. That's money moves, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, yeah, phone, uh, international phone calls were expensive back in the day. <laughs> you got <laughs> to think about these things. Yeah, you do, you do. Yeah, Rosie yeah. knew what she was doing. She did. All right, we ready to get started? Yeah. I am so ready to get started. Okay, let's jump into my story. Yeah. So, um, last week I covered the presidential election of 2000, and oh, yeah, today you did, I did. That feels like a thousand years ago. Yeah, <laughs> a lot has happened since then. A lot. Okay. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> oh, gross. Okay. Whew. 
I should mention to you guys and just you guys, this um, this wine I'm drinking came from a um a wine MLM. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably so loud, but that was so funny. No, I say keep it in. Middle of wine MLM. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Ooh, okay. Oh how, how boss babe of you, Emmeline. <laughs> I'm supporting a local now? business. <laughs> Ladies, today here for you, I am bringing... The Dove Hunt Dog Rose Wine. It's a delicious 2019. Dove about a twentieth, about a twentieth of the bottle left. <laughs> yes, that's right, ladies. Two sips, all yours for the low, low price of fifty eight ninety nine. All you have okay. to do is sign five of your fr- of your best best gal friends up. I got two yes, of gal right pals. Here. <laughs> Hints of battery acid. <laughs> Notes of leaving your husband. Okay, okay. <laughs> Woo! So, <laughs> uh, last week I covered the, the presidential election of 2000, and this week I am covering the presidential campaign of William Seward. Ooh. Uh, who? Hold on, I got a burp. Hold on, I got a burp. I got a burp. Do it. Oh God! It was like a little chunky. <laughs> that sounded like, it was like a little bit of a chunky burp. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I I did a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you may know William Seward um, as may the we? guy who. F- <laughs> you may as the guy who facilitated the purchase of Alaska from Russia, and maybe a little less famously as the as a member of the anti-Masonic. Masonic political party. So something I learned when I was researching this. Yeah. Something I learned when I was researching this is that I dropped the wine cap. It's okay. (laughs) Is that. (laughs) Okay. So from about like 1780 to like 1900, no, like 1880, there were like a thousand third parties. They weren't even third parties. They were like thousandth parties. There yeah. were so many political parties. Like literally you and five of your friends could get together and just be like, we hate those Freemasons, right? Yeah. What are they so secret about? And like, boom, you had a political party. Yeah. You could you know, be like, okay. West and say, I want to be a part of the birthday party and run for president. Exactly. Yeah. There were Do y'all so many. remember on Tumblr when everyone was like, oh, you only need 20 people to start a religion? Huh? No. <laughs> oh, well. Ew, no. Yeah, you only, surprise, you only need 20 people to start a religion. Sounds good to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're, I know 20 like, people. what, a seventh of the way there? Yeah. <laughs> I think combined, we probably know at least 20 people. Yeah, I would say. You, me, yeah. Victoria, and our five listeners... We yeah. just need a few My more parents. people. <laughs> Tessa's parents. Uh, Tessa's parents, our one listener in France. Yeah. <laughs> our half okay, a listener so. in India. <laughs> yeah, how are they doing? What's up? Uh, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> William Seward ran for president in 1860 and lost but how did he end up getting here and what does that mean for america 
I tried to make it like a broader appeal kind of thing. <laughs> it's just, I just wanted to talk about this guy's shit show of a political campaign. Do it, please. Oh, please okay. Do. I have to be okay. against him because the, the Masons did give me an award when I was a junior in high school. So. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Air. Good. But also <laughs> they, yeah. So like, th- listen, there is a whole ass episode about like the evolution of the Freemasons because it started as like a Mason workers, like a Mason reunion. And then mm-hmm. it became like a secret club. And now yeah. it's just like, and a, now still it's a national club. treasure. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't know. I think, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you guys might like him. So we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The man Not starting off the good, man, but we'll see the man. <laughs> the man known as William Seward was born on 1801 in Florida, question mark, New York. Ew. Um, that oh, was what? the name of. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> Florida, New York. <laughs> oh, God. Florida, New York is about 10 kilometers north of uh, New York City, question mark, I think. Or it was. Um, and it was actually, it was just a collection of a few, like, houses. It was, like, a very small village. Okay. So, Tessa, you and William starting off very similar here. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Both I'll from a small it. village in North New York. <laughs> okay. He, so, uh, William Seward studied at Union College until he was about 17, at which point he took a ship with one of his friends down to Georgia to interview to be the principal of a school? At 17? At 17? And oh. they hired him. Oh. What? <laughs> yeah. was fucking wild. It, 1801 yeah. was wild. They're like, so. Can you read? No, you're good. Yeah. Can you walk? Cool. Yeah. Are you white? Yeah. All right. You're Done. hired. Hired. Here's a job. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I don't want to hear anyone... That was alive in 1801. Complained again about how easy it is to get a job. <laughs> All you got to do is go in and shake their hand. Oh Have a firm handshake and you're hired. I know. <laughs> uh, while he was teaching in Georgia, he lived with a family who owned a plantation and oh. enslaved people. Wah, yeah. Yeah, so this actually, this wouldn't have been, like, too much of a culture shock for William because in his home growing up, he and his family did enslave someone, and so this was, like, not something that he was, I guess, shocked by, Um, but what did, I guess, transform his way of thinking was he became friends with some of the people who were enslaved on the plantation, um, and this led him to like this epiphany of like, oh my God, these people are people. And <laughs> like, I know, like, oh my God, dude, really? Wow. Big brain wow. shit. Like, wow. Once again, yeah, so he, white but, men get away with doing the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. uh, listen, you're oh. telling me. <laughs> so I will say, though, to his credit of having this like bare minimum epiphany, um, he did actually become like a real staunch praxist abolitionist none of this like a blinken crap like he was the real deal Hell oh, yeah. okay getting better that's a few points yeah a few he's like he's like minus one at this point <laughs> yeah. um 
About two years after he came to Georgia, he started receiving letters from his family in New York asking him to come home. So they finally persuaded him about 1819, and he returned back to New York from Georgia, and he finished his degree at Union College in 1820. After graduating... He privately studies law, which basically means he inter- he uh, is an intern for a few lawyers around town, which like, OK, I feel as though growing up in like the American public school system, I feel like a lot of coaches told me, oh, all of these American presidents were self-taught lawyers as if that was supposed self-taught. to be like impressive. I know, like, as if this is impressive. That's not impressive. That is terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) For so many reasons. (laughs) Did you say coaches? Because, like, coaches also taught you social studies? Yes. Me too. Me too. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't just happen in villages. Neat. (laughs) So many coaches teaching history. Yeah, I had a baseball Uh. coach teach me social studies. Um, around the time that our hero Seward starts simping for lawyers, he also begins <laughs> simping for a girl named Frances Miller um, to see yeah. sleeping with her. <laughs> so he starts getting it from the regular. <laughs> he starts getting it on the regular from this girl named Frances Miller. And as it turns out, luck would have it, Frances's dad, Elijah, is actually a judge in town who's looking oh. for a junior partner. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I know. You see how you see how it all fits together. I'm not exactly sure how like the law profession functioned back then and like why a judge would have a junior partner, but it's cool. Uh, So he becomes a junior partner at this judge's law firm practice question mark. And in the 1819. So I, the only thing I can imagine is the judge is at his little stand, right? And there's just like a mini stand, like off in the corner. (laughs) That's where he's just like, okay, now you can bang your little gavel if you want to. Your little baby little (laughs) pussy gavel. No talking during the trial. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you talk during the trial, you have to stand in the corner, okay? I'll take your gavel away. <laughs> That's funny. All right. I'm so sorry. Continue. No, 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 no. Apologies. It, uh, in the course of about a year. <laughs> comedy. In the course of about a year, Seward passes the bar exam, marries hey. his girl, Frances, hey, and then starts his profession as a junior attorney. Yeah. Self-taught. Self-taught junior attorney. Uh, Okay, so a lot of the stuff that Francis and William did that was actually pretty cool happened after my story ends. So I just want to like shoehorn it in here. We're going to skip ahead just a bit. But Francis and William were actually like legitimate for real practice what they preach abolitionists okay mm-hmm. their home in auburn new york was a safe house like a stop on the underground railroad railroad why is that word so hard to say and they gave frederick douglas a loan which like a loan okay but to start his newspaper called the north star he was an outspoken advocate for harriet tubman purchasing property in auburn that he sold to her which like um okay that's uh, seems like not okay but yeah fine and then he at least on one occasion gave a man money to buy his daughter's freedom oh, so okay points yeah points. 
points yeah like like yeah i feel like a lot of the things he did with money at least were like oh i'm gonna give you some money but you gotta pay it back and like oh what's that harriet tubman you want to buy property that's fine i'll sell it to you um but also he i learned but i did not write down was racked with debt for most of his adult life oh um yeah so eh, that might be why but like you know to go in debt to help people Uh? yes yeah um i can't remember exactly why i think if some land deals went bad or something but yeah maybe somewhere along there that's why he was in debt (laughs) seward was a politician for most of his adult life and in debt uh, he was the governor of New York from about 1839 to 1843, a New York state senator from 1849 to 1861, and secretary of state from 1861 to 1869. Working nice. his way. 1869. Hey. Um, nice, nice. <laughs> high five. Yeah. But he's working his way up. I can appreciate that. Oh, yeah, for sure. He, at one point. Corporate ladder. (laughs) That is America. (laughs) At one point in 1860, he did try for the highest office in the land. He ran for president. Nice. Boom, 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 rap horn. In 1859, Seward makes it known that he is going to run for president as a part of this newfangled party, the Republican Party. He was formerly a Whig and they kind of dissolved and he became a Republican. They got absorbed yeah. by the Repu- Republican Party. Rip the Wigs. Yep. Rip the Wigs. <laughs> Immediately, when he announces his candidacy, so he's at the time, he's kind of the most famous Republican in the United States. And so already he's very much, as much as you can be in the 19th century in the public eye. But once he announces his candidacy, a lot of his words become very heavily scrutinized, including some of the things he would say, like, I don't know, slavery can't be legislated away. So the nation's best hope for emancipation is to urbanize and make enslaving people like uneconomical. Like, so his solution for slavery was not like, I know, I know. I think that was him trying to be moderate, so but like, well. honey, no, I know. Uh. Well, so, okay, I, yeah, I yeah. think his intentions were good. But also, yeah, his intention and slavery. Also, like this is pre the Civil War, so like I don't know what they thought. I don't know what the fuck they thought was going on, but yeah. So he, uh, he, I think he foresaw, and one of the things he said was basically that like a civil war over the issue of slavery is inevitable, right? So like he foresaw the the a civil war coming, and to me, my understanding when I was reading about him over the course of like just three hours was that (laughs) he very much did not want the country to become divided, even though he saw that it was inevitable. And so his solution, his like moderate solution to keep the country together was to urbanize and industrialize the Southern states so that it would basically become like useless to enslave people, which like, okay, but have we forgotten that? Like, I don't know, you're enslaving people like, Like, oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Oh, like, like there is a sense of urgency, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, yeah, like I mentioned, he also uh, he also said that he believed that a civil war over the issue of slavery was inevitable. And as a result of some of the things that he said, the Southern Democrats hated him. (laughs) Um, But 
he polled really highly with Republicans. Like he was super well liked by a majority of like Republicans. And a lot of newspapers reporting at the time considered him to be the obvious presidential candidate for the 1860 election. However, Uh there was some concern that he might make some more controversial speeches and offend white voters with his pro-immigration, pro-abolition, public... He was very pro-public education. And so all of these were considered, like, very... I know. All of these were considered, like, very, very progressive, like, scary leftist stuff, right? And so... Okay, multiple sources said multiple things. Some sources said it was... His decision, some people said he made this decision at the behest of his supporters, and other people say that it was the Republican Party that pressured him into taking a sabbatical in Europe in the middle of his presidential campaign. (laughs) Me too. Whoa. Me in the middle of grad school. I'm like, I want to take a fucking vacation. God. (laughs) do yeah did he, do you want to take an eighth month an eight month vacation because that's I what do. he did uh, I do actually in the, <laughs> in the eight months leading up to his uh, in the eight months leading up to the uh, Republican National Convention he took an eighth month tri- an eight month trip oh I can't talk he <laughs> took an eight month trip to Europe and Lebanon ooh spicy. Uh, yeah right so i i just think like it's super funny that they like literally said to this man like hey dude the best thing for you right now is for you not to be here (laughs) (laughs) oh god so william seward ends up taking an eight an eight month tour of europe and lebanon and according to mental floss he was greeted across europe by leaders as the presumptive president of the united states like that is how sure everyone was reporting Seward is the next president of the United States. It's just a matter of time. You know, the only problem is votes haven't been counted yet. Like, like that was it. They were so sure he was going to win the primary. So sure he was going to win the election. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, womp womp. On his trip, he was reportedly presented to uh, the Queen Victoria at court and bought a ton of Arabian horses while he was in Beirut. So basically an Elon Musk uh. vacation. <laughs> You're getting me, man. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> While he was taking his extended spring spring break, um, the Republican Party back in the United States started to talk. They were very concerned that a steward... <laughs> yeah i know i guess they like had to like get on a horse and then go like actually meet somewhere but maybe they zoomed i don't know they were <laughs> they were really concerned about seward's quote-unquote radical abolitionist views and they were very concerned that he would alienate illinois and pennsylvania moderates with his pro-immigration rhetoric Mm, I don't know. Does this sound like someone? Does this sound familiar? I don't know. So they were really concerned that his pro-immigration rhetoric would split the party in two because of the know-nothing party that had recently integrated into the Republican Party. Okay, the know-nothings, long story short, they believed in like three good things, like 500 bad things, and we don't like them. But they, they, they in short, moved the Republican Party a little bit back to the right. Um... 
So, yeah, they were very concerned that a radical abolitionist candidate like Seward was not going to appeal to, oh, my God, what are they called? Centrist voters? Oh, my God, who are they? Whoa. <laughs> <sighs> I thought they never met them anymore. <laughs> All right. So Seward finishes his vacation in Europe and he returns <laughs> home for the Republican convention in Chicago. But he was so sure that he had that bitch on lock that he didn't even go. He wasn't even oh. in the area. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. He just chilled. He chilled with some of his buddies and some Sam Adams, if you know what I mean, back oh, yeah. in his home in Auburn, New York. Okay. They were recording a podcast. They were. <laughs> That's Sam Adams. They, <laughs> they received updates via telegrams. And get this. There was a celebratory loaded cannon in the back waiting to be fired when they announced his presidential nomination. Oh. Oh, wow. This is I know. A little too familiar. Dude, he is so sure. All right. Initially. History really does uh, repeat itself. Oh. Don't it. Don't it. All right. So initially, when they were receiving these telegrams, it was like super promising. And they're like, great news. You know, this number, this many number of like ballots or whatever are for you. And like you're getting this number of votes. And he's like, oh, great news, great news. And all right. Very quickly, it takes a nosedive. And um, turns out he is not going to be the presidential nominee, especially as they start counting votes from like Illinois and Pennsylvania, because like as they predicted, he did not appeal to moderates, a.k.a. <laughs> party poopers, a.k.a. <laughs> the cousin you don't talk to. <sighs> and yeah, so he didn't appeal to those states. And that's what ended up like, I, I'm sure also it probably didn't help that he took like an eight month vacation while like. You know, the Republican Party was like pushing this other candidate. Oh, who's that other candidate? Who Lincoln? who ended up winning the nomination? Yeah, it was uh, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> Never yeah, heard so of this him. Is, <laughs> who? Yeah, so that's how uh, that's how ended up. And like, all right, Lincoln did make him his Secretary of State. So like, I do want oh, to make wow. that known. Actually, interestingly enough, the same night that an assassination attempt. Or an assassination, I guess, happened to Lincoln. There was also an assassination, an assassination attempt made on his life, but he survived his. Yeah, he survived his attempt, but his remained an attempt. But, uh, but yeah. So that is that is the story of how America could have had a bad bitch who, by today's (laughs) standards, not really a bad bitch, but compared to Lincoln, was very progressive on issues including actually believing uh, abolition morally and actually like contributing to the actual abolitionist movement beyond like just believing that like abolition was like a really smart political move anyway the end yeah. we're here no, now think, bada bing bada boom bada bing <laughs> bada boom so what did he do with alaska oh yeah so basically russia used to own the land of alaska um, it was like their Guantanamo, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't think it was like part of Russia. It was like Russian territory. And um, yeah, so that he ended up negotiating a the purchase of the Alaskan territory from Russia. And initially, the, I've read 
conflicting reports some people say oh no one thought it was a good idea you know everyone it was called seward's folly and everyone thought it was going to be a terrible investment and then uh other people have said no no everyone thought it was a great idea yes we should buy alaska and then he i mean it, we, we we bought the territory of alaska um <laughs> so we got alaska, see, see how well alaska it worked out right now yeah Apparently, there were, like, a lot of um, resources in Alaska that Russia had not tried to find. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I like, I don't know. I don't know what Russia's relationship with Alaska was. I'm going to be so honest. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, so that's how he did it with, it ended up being something like the equivalent of two cents an acre for the purchase of the territory. That's oh, very damn. specific. Okay. That's- yeah. It is a large piece yeah. of land, to it's, be fair. That bitch is big, yeah. It's a lot. It's a very, very large. Very thick. All right. right. Nice. Thank you, Emmeline. Yeah. Good yeah, shit. yeah. Hey, listen. All in a day's work. Okay. <laughs> and all I gotta say is... I literally researched this today. So, so mine, I actually also researched this today. Um... Literally yesterday, I was like, fuck, I don't have anything. <laughs> and then I got a call back and I was like, oh, this is my chance. Um, <laughs> so my topic is, it's, uh, I, I hope it's going to be really fun. It is on um, historical flirting practices. Oh, oh hell yeah. Ironic. Let's get some fans in this bitch. I'm talking violets. Ooh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just ones that I've seen, like, kind of floating around social media that, like, interested me, right? And then I was like, this is silly, and I love it. Let's go. So <laughs> my my sources are uh, uh, an article from a, pl- a website called Jerry Walton, question mark. I found it. Whatever. CEO and then, of flirting. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, also... An article from McCall's Magazine in 1958. Um, that's going to be really fun. And then an article from Best Life. So. Nice. The the first thing that I found, like, floating around, some people had shared it or retweeted it or fucking something. And I was like, that's funny and I like it. Um, it's it's the, the flirting practices that came with the parasol in, like... The 1870s, 1880s-ish, you know, maybe nice. Seward was, like, seeing some ladies <laughs> with some parasols. Maybe um, Seward himself was flirting with the parasol. Yeah, m- maybe. Who knows? Um, and paras- parasols, you know, if you don't know, they're not quite an umbrella. They're not that sturdy, right? But they were, like, silk kind of yeah, umbrella-like they're like, they're like if- things. If right? Fenty made an umbrella, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was used to, like, block, if it was a really sunny day, you could block the sunlight, that kind of shit, right? Um, and apparently there were, like, they were carried by very fashionable women, and they were commonly used to flirt with uh, parasol signals, which oh. I do like. Um and I have listed some for your listening pleasure. Um, Ooh, please. The first, and there were a 
bunch more than this, so you can go look it up, but I, I listed, like, my six kind of favorites, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if you carry it elevated in your left hand, it means you are desiring acquaintance. Like, ooh, oh, I would d- love a man to walk next to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> If oh, you're a lady God. and if you're straight, but they didn't know about that. Um, and if, okay, here's the thing too, is that like the difference between doing something in your left hand and in your right hand is so vast, right? So like that. Oh, dude, man. And so carrying it in your left hand, elevated in your left hand oh, means God. desiring acquaintance. But if you carry it elevated in your right hand, it means you are too willing. What? 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 <laughs> what? Does anyone consider themselves too willing? Uh, apparently some of these ladies did. I don't know. I don't know. And, and okay, another example. I think this is this one's really fun. So if you carry the parasol over your right shoulder, it means you can speak to me. And <laughs> I do, I uh, okay. do like it in the sense that it's a little like earbuds. In this, like if somebody has fucking earbuds in, don't talk to them. Don't talk to them. <laughs> you know, but they, if have, they have if they have one earbud in, it's one a, at, if listening. they have the only the right one in and the left yeah. one out talk to them right you can speak to me but if you carry your parasol over your left shoulder it means you are too cruel huh so this lady just walking down the street and they see like that that guy that you know no one likes and she just goes hmm and like switches it like that. You are too <laughs> cruel. Oh my no. god. It's so so I love it. And the guy um, rolls up to the bar at night, he's like, Yo, I saw this this chick on the street, but she she switched her parasol to the left shoulder. The left shoulder. Oh what bro, that sucks. That yeah. sucks, man. That super god. sucks. Oh it's and apparently if a woman had her parasol with the handle to the lips, it meant kiss me. Which, you know, oh. that seems fairly straightforward. Okay, okay. Alright, that would make sense. Checks out. How do you do that? How does that... Uh, like, the, like the hook on an umbrella up to your lips? Question mark? I didn't oh. live in the 1880s. That's all I got. Alright. Um, <laughs> yeah, <works>. that... <laughs> but then, and... The climax of it all, if you dropped your parasol, it means I love you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. That sounds like a terrible mistake to me. <laughs> no, I drop so... shit all the time. I know. What if you drop it on accident and this dude's like, mm. oh, you love me? That probably That's happened. how a lot of, a lot of unhappy marriages back then. Mm. A lot of people accidentally fumbling their parasol. What? Bada bing, bada boom. The parasol is so (laughs) instrumental, man. Um, That's all I have on the parasol. Those were my favorites. You can look up other ones. It's really fun. So, I'm skipping now a long time forward to the (laughs) 1950s because... There is a an article from McCall's magazine in 1958 called titled 
129 ways to get a husband. Oh, my. So, yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about flirting practices in the 1950s, apparently. Um, There are several different, like like headings in in this article and I and then like bullet points within that so I wrote down like four or five of my favorites because they're so <laughs> ridiculous it's oh, so no. good okay. for me chatting right so the first heading the first heading 129 ways to get a husband number one where to find him where do you find a husband as a woman in the 1950s right um well you tell me I don't know I'll tell you Emmeline number number Please. one for me, anyway, number one, <laughs> have your car break down at strategic places. Oh, God. Uh, I've basically... Yeah. Who has mastered this art? Okay. To be no, fair... Victoria, it's not dangerous. It's how you find a husband. It's oh, how yeah, you find a husband. That explains God. it all. That's how to I'm the fair. only fucking single one in this group. <laughs> <laughs> When I was getting my tires changed, like, at the beginning of this year, um, I, I wear a ring that I bought in Scotland, like, you know, just for fun. And the guy, you know, at the tire place at Pet Boys was like, are you married? And I said, no. He was like, how come you're not married? I was like, I don't know. I think I'm too good for everyone. That <laughs> conversation you ended are. There. That's how you do it. You That's are. how you do it. That's true. Listen. I have a fake engagement ring I wear if I go anywhere unfamiliar alone. I won't lie to you. I do. I wear it because I'm tired of getting hit on at the grocery store. That's fair. Yes. Hell yeah. Thank you. So to move on, the next thing for where to find him, and this one is extra (laughs) ridiculous, right? Um, It said, look in the census report. For places with the most single men, Nevada. Excuse me, bitch. Nevada. <laughs> listen, Nevada has 125 single males for every 100 females, and it says that in the article. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You said 100. You said 125 males for every 100 females. I did. Yes. I'm not a mathematician, but let me do some simple deduction here. That feels like it's 25 to 1? <laughs> Is that how math works? Uh, but uh, <laughs> apparently Nevada is very good, a, a very good place to find a husband in the 1950s. If you ever it's 1.25 to 1, Emmeline. Oh my, what? Okay, thank you for doing that math. That's, okay, when they're like 125 to one, that's like, oh my God, what are the odds? Um, it's just one to one. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We don't have quarter people, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it's so weird that they specify Nevada. I don't know why, but they spent, they're like, Nevada, it's the one you gotta go. You gotta go there. It's so weird. Um, so Nevada actually paid, they actually paid Macau's when they made this article (laughs) to really. Sponsored by Nevada. Exactly. (laughs) There's their tourism bureau. (laughs) So the next one is extra, extra ridiculous, right? It says, and I quote, read the obituaries to find eligible widowers. 
This article is so obsessed with, like, find men who have married before, but their wives are fucking dead. Go marry that motherfucker right now. It's so weird. Oh my God. This sounds like a bad, this sounds like a bad, bad, a bad Troom Troom video. (laughs) I don't know what that is, but I concur. Okay. Oh, sis. Next one, next one, next one. We're moving on, because that was just ridiculous on its own. You don't need, you know, it's awful. Next (laughs) one. Be friendly to ugly men, dash, handsome is as handsome does. Huh? What does that (laughs) mean? I don't know. What What handsome is as handsome does. What do you mean? What do you mean? Huh? McCall's? Give me an answer. This is a fucking Forrest Gump. God damn it. Oh my god. It's so Listen, weird. I Michelle Obama recently came out and said that something like she thought that like meeting someone on Tinder or like an online dating app wasn't like a legitimate way of meeting someone or like dating. Mm-hmm. But like apparently we used to be reading obituaries to find, to find like widowers. Name. Yeah. I don't know. Tinder feels like a step up. <laughs> At least you have a an honest at least semi-honest description of yourself, right? Unless you're catfishing people, don't do that. Yes, listen, I do full body pick every fucking time. Everyone yeah. knows. Yeah, <laughs> right? There's no surprise. Yeah. Okay, last, last bullet point under where to find him. Um, don't be afraid to associate with more attractive girls. They may have oh, some leftovers. My. Oh, God. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. Oh, it's my so God. Bad. No, no, no. I can't handle it. It's... Oh, my God. Hey, are you an uggo? Have you considered finding more attractive friends? <laughs> I might have some sloppy seconds with it which is just bad in itself sloppy seconds yes right. what, no. what, a, what a horrible idea yeah what a horrible idea let me give you like no right okay yeah <laughs> moving on that's Jeez. that's it for where to find him so we're moving on now Oof. we're moving on you okay. found him you found him right <laughs> how to let okay. him know how to let him know you're there which i don't know exactly what, what that means <laughs> but how to know how to let him know there? you're there. I know, right? <laughs> but the first <laughs> the first bullet point I wrote down was carry a hat box. What? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> carry what, a hat box? A hat box. A hat box, right? Which I wrote that down as in like, I don't know why that would let him know you're there. I don't understand it, right? Okay, confusing. So to move on, also, wear a Band-Aid. People will always ask what happened if you wear a Band-Aid. So I, I think that what this means is, if you want him to come up to you and talk to you, oh because you never God. make the first move as a woman, idiot, oh. you have to make him come to you. So you wear a Band-Aid so that he will ask you what happened, but and then you can lie to him. is not noticeable. Like, fucking everyone, like, cuts, like nude cuts corn themselves, like, color. cutting vegetables. Bitch, roll up with the cast. Then they'll ask uh, you. Okay, hold on, hold on then. <laughs> a band-aid would be a good idea if if you cut yourself and they're like, what happened? And you're like, I cut vegetables because I cook. 
then they uh, will be so horny for you, right? <laughs> oh God, she cries. an opportunity uh. to completely shirk domestic responsibility for the rest of my life. Oh. And then they come right there. Oh, stop. <laughs> you've got him. That's how you know so. they're there. <laughs> So as an extra, extra to that, another one of my favorites for how to let him know you're there is um, you stand in a corner and you cry softly. Chances are, chances are good he'll come over to find out what's wrong. So if the band-aid doesn't work around your finger, then you go and you cry in a corner. You know what works? Emotional manipulation. <laughs> you go <laughs> You are a good, a good, good actress. And you cry in the corner. So they can go, what's wrong? And you'll go, I cut my finger cooking vegetables. And it hurts so bad. Oh um, my god, a vulnerable woman and she cooks? Ugh, I gotta die. <laughs> yeah. You got it. <laughs> The last thing, because uh, some of these are weirdly, like, they're only for rich people, right? Because this last one is... As most things are. This last one is, um, buy a convertible. Men like to ride in them. That's it. Just Um. get a... Just buy a convertible. It's no big deal. Well, if they like to ride in them, they would Hmm. buy one themselves. Uh, True. Hmm. I, I get that, but, like, if they don't, if you somehow, you're, like, spying on them and they don't have a convertible, get one. They'll love it, <laughs> right? Um, so that that's it for how to let him know you're there. So you've gotten past that point, right? So you're, like, okay. uh-huh. you're mm, with him, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how to look good to him. Oh. Right? Yes. Please. Yes. One, one, the, the first bullet point that I wrote down was practice your drinking with your women friends first. I don't exactly know what that means. So, like, so you have to... <laughs> great job tessa 10 10 i think you're ready (laughs) leo loves it um so you you have to look really good while you're drinking question mark so you have to like go with your women friends and be like do i look attractive what okay hold on what do these people think women talk about (laughs) like what do they think we talk about together do they think it's like Tessa, Tessa, can you watch me drink and make sure I still look attractive? Can you, can you make Victoria, sure my, get my other my angle? El- can you make sure my elbow isn't too high up? When Which I'm is drink- my best when I'm side this for loco. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, when I'm shotgunning a beer, do I hold my arm too close to my boob so it looks fat? Like, what the fuck? Or do I hold my arm a, a good amount close to my boob so the cleavage is good? Right? So you have to find the perfect middle ground. Right? Hey, babe. Um, <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm buried in a woman's belly button doing jello shots, does that make me look unattractive? Do, from below, do I have a double chin? <laughs> <laughs> this is so... This is so good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so the next one is... Um, 
and it's just, I don't know, I don't know why they're so specific about things. Um, this one says, if you look good in sweaters, which I do, thank you, mm-hmm. wear one on every okay. third date. On every third date, specifically. And I don't why? know why. What why is the logic? Date? What is the logic? That's the question. Um, the next one is even more fun, right? More ridiculous. Next bullet point. How to look good to him. Get a sunburn. Um, Which look easy for me, baby. Easy. Skin uh, cancer, uh, but uh, make it fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a sunburn so easy. Yes. And then uh, I'm actually doing a scene right now with one of my classmates for a class crazy um that's set in like the 1920s and 30s in england and like at some point during the play my character says like i'll get a sunburn i'll look so good with a sunburn and i don't what are these people doing i'm so confused oh okay ow i know right pain pain beauty is pain Beauty is pain. Mm. No, it's not. But in the old days, beauty is pain. Um, ne- next bullet point, which I also, I, I wrote down some just because I don't understand them and I think that's funny. So this one is one <laughs> of those. Get that fresh scrubbed look by scrubbing. Uh. <laughs> oh, geez. Yes. Yeah, ladies, after you go out and, and get a sunburn, make sure you scrub, scrub real good. Your skin. Scrub it, and you'll get that fresh scrubbed look if you scrub oh. the fucking skin. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what scrubbing is necessarily. They probably did in the 50s. Like taking a, like a shower? Like what? <laughs> and just I like really digging in. Just getting in there, man scrub off the entire like outer layer of your epidermis practice basic hygiene you have to as a woman because god knows that men won't (laughs) they won't Uh, okay okay okay, okay. mm, now you've looked good to him you've done it you've done it okay okay how to land him land him like a ship like a (laughs) ship the, the first one that I wrote down is find out about the girls that he hasn't married and don't repeat. What? <laughs> don't listen. Don't repeat the, the mistakes that they made. So you have to do some snooping. You got to you got to be a spy. Be sneaky. Yeah. This sounds find like a out- bad troom troom video. <laughs> find out about those girls that he was like I can't marry them don't do the same thing so find them track them down if you have to and be like what the fuck did you do right it's crazy okay next one next one I love this one point out to him point out to your man that the death rate of single men is twice that of married men I got I got to cut in. I got to cut in. Okay. I took a psychology course on human growth and development, and one of the things that we covered was like later in life, right? Like like what what is end of life look like, okay? And so statistics for like age statistics for death, okay? On average, 
men who are married live longer than men who are not married. Okay. Okay, that's true. Women, on average, women who are married live shorter lives than women who are single. Whoa. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. There's that bombshell. Okay. I know. So, like, this bullet point technically is correct, but is it good for no, me? No, it's correct. Not necessarily. No, they're sapping your life force. <laughs> God. That oh, wow. not do anything. That's an interesting statistic. Thank you for that. So, so next, next bullet point. Resist the urge to make him over before marriage, that is. So you wait nah, until he nah. marries you. <laughs> and then you go, I got to change you. I got to do it. I got to change you. Oh, no, 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 no. Got to change it, right? It's crazy. The last one, this one's not super fun, but in, there weren't any more, like, super interesting ones. Um, don't tell dirty stories. Of course I'm going to tell dirty stories. God, fuck. I'm <laughs> done. On. I'm out. I can't do it. Tapping no. out. So the next headline, like, yeah, the next headline in this in this article are, it's my favorite one. It's titled, Wild Ideas. Anything <gasps> Goes. Oh, I, oh, sa- no, I saw that good. and I said, oh, Wild ideas. Anything goes, you say. Okay. Except for so, premarital sex. Ex- that does not except go. Except for that. Don't <laughs> fucking do I swear to God, Emmeline, if you do that. Um, <laughs> so the first one that I wrote down, it was the first bullet point under wild ideas, anything goes. And I was like, that's really funny. So I wrote it down. Uh, go to Yale. <laughs> Uh, that's oh, it. Get your MRS. Go to Yale. Yes. See what kind of men you find there. Whatever. Um, the next one is rent a billboard and post your picture and your telephone number on it. No. The next no. one, even crazier. Even crazier. Uh, just a little bit. Listen. The next one. Paint your name and number on a roof, on a rooftop, and say, quote, give me a buzz, pilots, end quote, (laughs) (laughs) so that they can call you. Um, They don't know what you look like that time. You're in the middle of a commercial flight, and they're like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's your captain speaking. We're going to have to make an emergency landing. I got to call this lady because I'm single, (laughs) and everyone on the plane will go, oh, yeah, I understand. Um, (laughs) The third one, bribe a Ferris wheel operator to get you stuck on the top of a Ferris wheel. Again, there's a little bit of Holy a, an obsession with money. Is like they're assuming that you have the money to bribe a Ferris wheel operator. <laughs> you gotta get me stuck on the top, man. You gotta do it. You have to for the I small have a potential husband of yeah. one hundred dollars. <laughs> you can do That's it. That's one fifth of my payment for the four foot Mareep. <laughs> <laughs> wow. After pay. Um, so the next one is stand. I don't understand this one. Stand on a busy street corner and carry a lasso 
to catch. I guess I do understand it to catch the men with. Oh. They go. Mm. Oh, she's trying to catch a man. Maybe I'll be what? the man. The same article that suggested, no. hey, you should manipulate men instead of telling them how you feel by crying in a corner is also telling you, hey, anything goes. Be just straight stand up on a street on, corner yeah. and just lasso strangers. Just lasso them. Do it. Just yeah. God, God forbid, do not talk about your fucking feelings. <laughs> Don't do it. They did in one of the categories. I don't remember which one it was and I didn't write it down, but it was like, tell the man If he's rich, tell him you're interested in the money. The honesty will intrigue him. And I was like, oh, my God. What? What? Oh, my Um, God. Okay. So the last wild idea and my favorite, hands down, is (laughs) make and sell toupees. Bald men are easy catches. Exclamation That's so fucking point. rude. I know. <laughs> it's so crazy. Ah! Okay. <laughs> it's so wild. Those were like the specific rules, quote unquote rules that I found. Um, uh, the next part is just like other rules that I found throughout history. So in the 1950s, uh, women were like... In, in flirting, it was it was less about like you'll the man will like me for me or whoever will like me for me, and it was more about women making themselves into suitable wives, as we all kind of know we 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 yeah. knew that about the fifties, but also you know, um, also in the nineteen fifties, men had to ask the fathers like okay. The girl's father, the man had to go to him and ask permission to flirt with a girl or take her out to, like, get to know her better. So, yeah. Um, but there were also, like, you know, the bad boys who... And to be fair, catcallers were also frowned upon in the 50s. They were like, that's not the proper way yeah, to flirt what? with a girl. Why They're do frowned upon that, now. Though? I don't think that stops anyone. Mm, fair (laughs) um and then the dates um were always supervised they were usually in public um that's disgusto barfo i hate that yeah i do yeah amy vanderbilt who wrote a book called um everyday etiquette answers to uh, answers to today's etiquette in 1952 wrote that if a girl was in her teens then the date should always be supervised period that's it um but if they were a quote-unquote career girl which was a girl who was in her 20s or up um they oh old hags right Right, yes, yeah. Um, they could accept, like, a dinner date at the man's house, something like that. They could accept a private date, but they should not stay past 10 or 10.30. That's How are you it. supposed to fuck? They would anyway, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, <laughs> so, moving on from the 50s, this is the 1970s now, um, when properly right the if there were any like unwanted advances on a woman you were supposed to like 
brush them off and like ignore it you right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then <laughs> i have a big long quote from this article i'm gonna i'm just gonna read it to you because it was too good and like i couldn't summarize it well enough so i'm gonna read it to you um Similar advice can be found in Evelyn Burns' 1965 book, The Anatomy of a Love Affair, The Guide to Sex for the Girl Who Says Yes. As if the title isn't bad enough, some of the worst (laughs) advice Byrne gives in her book involves unwanted advances and keeping quiet. And then this is a quote from the book. If you do find it necessary to shower at his place and he makes a pass at you when you step out of the stall, soft-skinned and sweet-smelling, don't threaten to scream. With your luck, all the neighbors will be stone deaf. And if you do scream, he and the police department might well ask what you are doing up there with no clothes on in the first place. Victim blaming. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> People might think you're a slut. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that. then moving on from the 70s into the 1980s, when we really get that progress, uh, progressive ish shit, right? Um, this is when like women could actually start to, like, fight back and be more honest about, like, hey, that's not fucking okay. Um, Obviously, we're still not, like, there yet, but this is when it started to happen. And the 1980s was also, like, the first time that someone could just, like, walk up to another Like, a woman could walk up to whoever, really, and say, like, hey, I'm interested in getting to know you. Which, like... Also in the article, it was like, now it seems crazy that anyone would, like, be hesitant to say, hello, I'm interested in you. But, like, that's still a thing for people to be like, oh, should I say hi? Like, it's still a thing. Don't be (laughs) an idiot. Right? We're all still fucking insecure. But the 1980s is where we started to see, like... You could just walk up and be like, hey, I'm interested in getting to know you. Thank you, 80s. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyway, those are all the fucking insane, like, flirting practices that I I found. And I'm sure that there are more than that. And that's just what I, like, found for this episode. So I'll probably do more research on that. Nice. Um, But this is what I found. Yeah. Wow. How disturbing. (laughs) Yep. Parasols, huh? All right. So, like the both of y'all, I also did my research today. (laughs) Hell yeah. We stay efficient. I am scared that this is going to be too boring. But, um, so I was in the middle of recording my other podcast that I do that is, um, about. Shout it out. Give it a shout out. It's uh, it's called Have You Heard Of? And it's about obscure uh, classical music composers. Plug it, baby. Yeah, we're doing <laughs> um, uh, doing a series on Renaissance. And so we're talking a lot about popes and anti-popes and like the Catholic Church in general. Uh-huh. And so I was like, huh, I bet there's, I know there are some scandalous popes out there. So I did some <laughs> research. And oh, hell yeah. Uh, my first plan was to do like a list of like, terrible popes throughout history but instead 
I've decided to only cover the trial of the corpse of Pope Formosus. The oh, hell yeah. Corpse. That was this boring. A dead body. <laughs> yes, a dead man put to trial. But why? Let me tell you. All right. So my sources are a YouTube video <laughs> that I found. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we. Okay. Anyway. Um. So Pope Formosus. Let's go. Let's go all the way back to the ninth century Italy. Um. Great time, right? You've got you've got a lot of yeah. political instability. You've got the Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> All these great things. <laughs> sure, they'll last a long time. Um, so this man, I dare, I don't know his real name. Let's call him Formosus, because that's his Pope name. Um, he becomes Bishop of Porto in the year 864 AD under the pontificate of Nicholas I. Um, and so he was the bishop and... As many of you know, the Pope is technically mm-hmm. the Bishop of Rome. Mm-hmm. Did you know? It's like the Bishop of Bishops. Like It's like bad bitch bishop. Head bishop, yeah? Head uh-huh. bishop. Head bitch. Head bishop head of Head bishop. Charge. Head bishop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Formosus as bishop did some missionary work in Bulgaria, which made him very popular, and everyone in Bulgaria loved him. So much that they wanted him as their bishop instead of what whoever the fuck they had as bishop of Bulgaria. Um, mm. But this wasn't allowed because bishops um, weren't allowed to um, leave their see to administer another. A see is basically like the the bishop throne. So yes, uh, and 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 the Vatican belongs to the Holy See. Yes, the just the a fun Vatican, fact. The Vatican or this Holy See is the CEO and president of the Vatican. <laughs> There's a it's really wild. cool CPG Gray, CPE Gray, CPG Gray. Oh, not yep. sorry. Yes, there's a cool video about um, the Vatican and, like, what the Pope is, actually, because it's very complicated. But anyway, so he wasn't allowed to leave his bishophood in Porto to be the bishop of both Porto and Bulgaria. So Pope Nicholas was like, nah, dude, you can't do this. Um, Okay, so Pope Nicholas dies, and Pope John VIII is the next pope. And there's like a million trillion Pope Johns, but this is the eighth one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, they didn't like each other. He and Formosus did not like each other at all. And so Formosus said, I'm out and flees Rome in fear of Pope John VIII. So... (laughs) I'm so scared. Like a a real hero. Like, I'm out. (laughs) Uh, so Pope John is like, you know what, if you're going to leave, I'm going to, um, accuse you of corrupting the minds of Bulgarians and making them believe that they couldn't have any other bishop besides you, O Formosus. <laughs> o Formosus. <laughs> o Formosus. And he also accused him of trying to usurp the papacy, um... And also accuses him of deserting his post in Porto as bishop. And all of this leads leads Formosus and his associates being excommunicated from the Catholic Church. 
Oh, no. Oh, yeah, baby. Yes. Oh, wow. Just another Tuesday night party. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Catholic Church as we know it is um, very whack. Very crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So he, so, so Formosus fled. And Pope John VIII dies in 882, you know, as you do, as an old man. So Formosus is like, all right, the coast is clear, and he comes back. Um, (laughs) And uh, this is where it gets confusing, because, like, I guess the church lets him back in? Or, like, some of them don't? I don't know, he just returned to his post as bishop. So, like, how did... How easy he is it to He declared it, you know? <laughs> how easy it to, is it to <laughs> recommunicate yourself into the Catholic Church? I Apparently, guess if the Pope easy. is dead, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, there's nothing we can do, so go ahead. Um, but some, but after seeing him, like, shortly after the death of Pope John VIII, going back to, um, his, uh, his like bishop seat uh people thought that was very sus and um not very cash money of him Mm -hmm. in those Uh, words yes they said formosus this isn't very cash money of you to just come (laughs) back (laughs) um but in the year 891 our boy finally does it ah shit okay he's a he's elected pope He's elected CEO of the Vatican. He's elected CEO of Rome. He is big head honcho, the Pope of everything. <laughs> head honcho. Yes. Yeah. So, Formosus is now Pope. And as Pope, he crowned a man named Lambert of Spolito as his co-ruler of the Holy Roman Empire. So... Lambert of Spolito is basically now the Holy Roman Emperor. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, I don't know what's about to happen, but I will predict that this is not a good move. (laughs) You'd be correct. (laughs) Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, this... So, um, Lambert's dad, whose name is Guy the Third... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you gotta be no no me. please please guy guy the second was my father <laughs> oh, no. oh guy not just guy guy the third guy the third make, make it formal so guy the third was um elected earlier for the same position by Pope John VIII. Um, and so they kind of tag teamed it together as like a father son Holy Roman Emperor duo. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> you see how well that works. Um, so about a year into Formosus's papacy, Formosus's, wow. Uh, about a year into his papacy, uh, he starts to realize that he's a little scared of Lambert and Guy. Um, <laughs> I'm scared of my father? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, he's he's a little scared of the father-son duo because they're overall very aggressive. 
Um, and they expelled uh, the Byzantines from a town called Benevento. So they got all the Byzantines to get out of here. And so uh, Formosus was like, mm, I don't know if I want them to be the Holy Roman Emperor anymore. Hmm. So while father and son are out, are like outside of Rome, like on a hunting trip or whatever, doing whatever the fuck, um, Formosus invites a man called Arnulf of Corinthia. Um, and he says he invites this man to invade and basically receive the imperial crown. <laughs> oh. Oh. Y'all, that's, that's been me these last few weeks. <laughs> Trying just to just a... invite people to invade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, Arnulf of Corinthia comes to Rome and invades it, but it fails. And conveniently... What? The... Yes, it <laughs> fails. <laughs> oh my god. And conveniently, Guy the Third also dies shortly after. Conveniently, no. yeah. I feel Who like carry he may on have the been Guy killed. legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Not Guy the Fourth. There Damn. is no Guy the Fourth. Rip. Oh shit. Um. So this this plan didn't work, and Formos is like, ah shit. And so in eight ninety five. Formosus contacts Arnulf again and says, hey, you can try again. Um, yeah, and, like, renews his invitation to for Arnulf to come invade and receive the Imperial Crown. And this time it works! Yay! Yeah, so... Woo! Oh, Arnulf is... Arnulf, Arnulf successfully <laughs> invades Rome and is, in, and is crowned the Holy Roman Emperor... Um, and everyone's cheering, and they're like, yay, I got rid of fucking, what's his face, Lambert. Um, <laughs> and so, as they're waving goodbye to Arnulf and his army, um, Arnulf dies. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no. No. Oh! Yeah. Arnulf dies, and then, about a year later, Pope Formosus dies as well. What? Oh, oh my god. Formosus! <laughs> so, he was he was succeeded by Pope Boniface VI. Um, Sorry, I have to read Roman numerals. I thought writing Roman numerals would be a good idea for my notes so that Brooke <laughs> could read them later. Um, so, he is... Rookie so mistake. He is elected Pope, Pope Boniface VI. But two weeks after he's elected, he fucking dies also. Because everyone oh just god. loves dying. Like, T.M. Stein, Catholic Church, classic. Um, and so, Lambert of Spolito comes back from his excursion. He's finally back, and he's like, yo! <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> like, four people died where you were gone. <laughs> Including uh, your father. <laughs> so, the new pope is elected, Stephen VI. And, um, Stephen, together with Lambert, they construct the Cadaver Synod. And so, yes. And so they were like, you know what, Pope Formosus, fuck you. You're going to be put on trial. And Pope Formosus couldn't say anything about it because he's dead. (laughs) So, um... This trial was to reassert Lambert as the true, true, 
true ruler of the Holy Roman Empire and to put Formosus on trial for the crimes he's committed of, you know, everything that he's done with trying to get... It's the um, principle of the thing. Yes. (laughs) So you're probably wondering, Formosus is dead, how is this going to be possible? I would like to ask No, nah, I figured they'd make it work. <laughs> well, they... Surprisingly, they did. They did make it work. So, they dug him up from his grave. Oh! Yes. yes. They literally... No, when I say they literally put a dead man on trial, they literally, <gasps> literally put him up there to be tried. They dug Go back up to his, the mummy episode. <laughs> They dug him up, they took Pope Formosus up, and took him to court, like, literally, about a year after his death. And they sat him on a throne to be tried, and appointed a deacon to answer for him. For obvious oh. reasons. <laughs> um, like, they were asking questions. They were asking Pope Formosus questions, as if it were an actual trial. And so, he was found guilty... Surprise. And he was accused of transmigrating seas in violation of canon law, perjury, and posing as a bishop while he was excommunicated, because he was excommunicated by Pope John VIII. Mm -hmm. Found guilty of, he was found guilty and stripped of his papal vestments, like literally, like they stripped him naked. Um, Oof. Yeah, Pope Stephen then cut off Formosus's fingers on the hand that he used to bless people and basically annulled Ooh. all of the blessings, all of the ordinations. Oh my god. Which is very ironic because Pope Formosus ordinated Stephen as a bishop. Oh. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> so they cut off his fingers. They dragged Pope Formosus's body through the town and then cut his head off. Oh my god. Wow. It is Fuck the yes. French. This is way more intense. <laughs> wow. So, Pope Formosus was reburied in a cemetery for foreigners. So not even like the holy, not even like a holy like pope burial or whatever the fuck they do. Buried in a cemetery for foreigners, dug up again, tied to weights, mm. and then thrown into the the Tiber River. Mm. Oh right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Um, So the cadaver signed was um, made known to the public, and a lot of people were like, hey, that's not cool. What the fuck? (laughs) And um, Pope Stephen became very unpopular, and um, there were rumors that circulated that Formosus' body washed up onto the shore. And he started performing miracles for the public. <gasps> what? <laughs> mm, I don't I know. I doubt that, but like, maybe. <laughs> so, um, this led to a public uprising. And Pope Stephen was deposed and thrown into prison, where he would later on be strangled to death. This is violent, oh. dude. Yes. Wow. Good old, good old Catholic church. <laughs> So, in December of 897, so about a year after the trial, um, Pope Theodore convened um, another synod, and they decided to um, pretty much, like, 
pretend like the the cadaver trial never happened and they pardoned Formosus. But a few it's years after... It's pretty hard to pretend it didn't happen when you cut off his head and, like, <laughs> sank him in a fucking river. Like, yeah. Oh, we're bad. Oh, yeah. We're just... We're just not... We're just gonna pretend that never happened. Um, Formosus who? Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after that, after Pope Theodore did that, a few years later, Pope John the Ninth ordered an act... Um, of the cadaver synod destroyed, like, they took the paper, all the documentation, and destroyed it. But, a few years after that, another pope overturned these rulings, and it was just, like, a bunch of back and forth between different popes saying, like, no, we should legitimize it. And some saying, no, we should pretend it never happened. Hmm. And my very last point is... Classic Catholic Church TM sign. <laughs> and and that is the trial of the corpse pope Formosus. What corpse Damn. pope? Wow. <laughs> Cope if you will. <laughs> I will. Thank you. Yes. Oh. I know that's a lot a lot to take in in our drunken state, but I bear I I um applaud and I uh Thank you for bearing with me. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to Shitface Facts. And if you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on social media, particularly Instagram at <laughs> SHT Faced Facts. That's Shitface Facts with no I. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you know, shout us, like, say hello, say if you like us, say if you hate us. We always like constructive criticism. Um, if you want to shoot us an email with, uh, any drink recommendations or anything you want us to know that's a pretty crazy fact, you can email us at shtfacedfacts at gmail.com. Again, that's shitfacedfacts with no I. If you want to leave us a voice message, also with some, like, topics that you think are really interesting or some drink recommendations, you can go to anchor.fm slash shtfacefacts with that's s a oh that's s ooh, that's <laughs> shitfacefacts with no i <laughs> and remember there is no i in team and there's no i in shit <laughs>